Well, good evening, Arts World. How are you doing out there? It's so nice to be with you again on another episode of Pulse of the Arts Fresno here. With me, Dakota Wallace-Simpson, it is Friday, July 17th, and I am so happy that I get to be doing this for you again this week. Today, we've got a great conversation with our good friend Renee Newlove from the Zunes Bardentine Readers, and we've got some other fun stuff, so let's delve right into it, shall we? In today's forecast, Workshop 44's production of Ragtime is calling all actors to audition for their 2021 production. For more info, check out their Facebook or send an email to casting at workshop44.org. Camp Shine is online and going into their second week of camp this Monday, July 20th. If you are interested in getting your child involved in some theater this summer, head over to shinetheater.com and sign them up for Camp Shine. that sound means or maybe you don't but you're about to know what that sound means that means it's time for our trivia question of the week last week's question was what was the first radio drama and when did it premiere now there's two answers for this one the first is called a comedy of danger by richard hughes and that was written in uh, january 1924 for the bbc radio but in the u.s the wolf uh, which is an adaptation of a play by Charles Somerville by Eugene Walter was put out on the same year. So if you guessed that right, <laughs> congratulations. Now on for today's question of the week. Today's question of the week, how many plays are in Shakespeare's canon of work? How many plays are in Shakespeare's canon of work? You know, it's funny that answer might be revealed in the podcast today. I can't remember if, uh, that got edited out or not. So we'll see if you guys get it right after you listen to this episode today. Feel free to send those answers to Shine Theater uh, on either the Facebook or Instagram platforms, and we'll get out some shout outs for you guys. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Pulse of the Arts, Fresno with me, Dakota Simpson. I'm here talking with a good friend of mine, Renee Newlove. Hi, Renee. Hi. Oh, my gosh. Thank you again for doing this last minute. I'm so happy to have you here. I'm glad to be here. Thanks for asking me. For those people who don't know you, uh, what what do you do, do, Renee? So my day job, uh, what pays me the bills, Mm -hmm. uh, is uh, I teach eighth grade English down in Selma, California. Uh, It's it's a beautiful small community um, that just really has so much richness in it with the culture and the students that I have in my classroom. And it's a a different demographic than you get in Fresno or Clovis. And so it's really nice to be able to get to know, um, you know, the students and the families and be a part of that that culture and that community. So Mm -hmm. That's fun. And then uh, on the weekends, when I'm not teaching, I pour beer oh. at House of Pendragon. Yeah. And since we're in like summertime, it's been fun that uh, I've been able to get out to the brewery 
um, in Sanger, and I've been able to brew my own beers. That's exciting. Uh, that's fun. And then in my spare time, <laughs> after all of it, things, yeah, after all when of I that. have it, uh, I, I play around with community theater. Awesome. So, so yeah, I've uh, I've only directed once in the community, but I'm kind of seeing my position sure. uh, with community theater shifting into that. Um, realm of things and uh, I've produced before I've worked really closely with the Rogue Festival over the years um, over Shakespeare Festival I've worked a lot with uh, my most recent work was with GCP um, I've been an understudy for them a couple times in the past year and uh, yeah, yeah just kind of dabbling here and there and going out for various auditions and then yeah. Producing things that I want to produce during that's this time exciting. period. That's exciting. So that's really exciting. Uh, what was the 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 piece that you you it was the Tempest, wasn't it? That you directed. It was. Yeah, we were at the uh, the Soapco, um, Frozen Soapco, which uh, is kind of dark right now and has been for a while. But uh, but yeah, so it's it was really really great. It was an all female cast, and uh, and I did something really wild with it. I took out the majority of the magic from the show and I took out the storm scene. Um, and everybody's like, wait, it's called The Tempest. You took out the storm from The Tempest? It's, it's like, yeah. coming, the storm is coming. <laughs> well, and you don't need it. I mean, I, it, the yeah. space is like the size of my living room, which is really tiny because I live in like a, a, a thousand square foot studio apartment. Okay. And so like the, the idea of trying to put a boat or somehow create a boat on that stage just was not conceptually feasible. And so since Miranda comes in, in the second scene and just immediately says everything that has just happened i'm like cut it you know but what was fun is cutting all the magic then really brought out this really rich story of redemption and reconciliation and kind of like the drive of like prospero and absolutely you know and so it was actually really really rich and so we took the now our revels are ended speech um from the fourth act which the majority of the fourth act i cut mm -hmm. um but not that speech, because that speech is like probably my favorite speech in the show. Yes. And so I took that and I put it at the beginning of the show and we turned it into a flashback. Mm. So my Prospero, who was played by the amazing Casey Ballard, uh, she did this beautiful interpretive dance. Music was a huge part of the entire show, but she did this interpretive dance and told the story of her and Miranda getting to the island. And then the idea was, the Now Our Rebels Are Ended speech was a bedtime story for Miranda and Ferdinand's kids. Wow, I love that. And then the only blackout in the show, it was super tech light. <laughs> it was like mm -hmm. oh, one blackout. Yeah. Uh, so the only blackout in the show happened and then you just heard waves throughout the rest of the show because they were on I an island. And so uh, there was a lot, there was a lot. It was really beautiful. It, and you know, all you female cast. You were talking about cutting the magic from the show, but I think inherently uh, reducing the show back down to its its primal uh, nature in theater, which is storytelling, is magic in itself. And it being yeah. that, that bedtime story at the end is is inherently creating a new level of magic by stripping away all of the 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 prestidigitatory magic that is in the show. So yeah, I right. Love, I love that. Yeah, and I mean, we only had a cast of eight. Right. Um, which is really tiny. So, so my actress that played Miranda also played Ariel. Yep. And Ariel was seen a lot more as an ethereal spirit than when a shawl was placed on Miranda. That's when she embodied Ariel. Absolutely. Um, and then my um, <laughs> my Stefano and Trinculo were played by the same actress. Um, awesome. And Trinculo was a hand puppet. 
And so Trinculo was the straight guy and spoke completely clearly and was totally fine. Mm -hmm. um, and I got a punching uh, Shakespeare, uh, Shakespeare doll. Yes, like a, <laughs> I've seen yeah, that. Yeah, like the punching nuns. Yeah, it was, a chunk, it was a punching Shakespeare doll. And we actually made him a cape. Awesome. Uh, yeah, so like when they go to Prospero's cell and they're like, oh, I want this. Like little punchy Shakespeare guy got his own cape. Um, okay. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and yeah, and so Stefano was drunk. You know, awesome. and so it really like pressed the actor to be able to like embody both of these characters in the voice wise. And I was like, memorize this in the voices, like absolutely come into this. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, like all in all, I was really, really happy with the reception of it. Uh, you know, my dad came and saw the show and it, yeah. you know, there's there's been three times that my father has cried during theater. Um, wow, the theater, you got him. This was one of them. Yeah, yeah. So that was kind of like a huge thing. Yeah, yeah no, like, oh my seriously. God. <laughs> and I think so. something so small like that is so mighty. Uh, I mean, isn't that that's uh, to quote to, to quote Shakespeare? Uh, she may be small, but she'd be fierce. Yeah, um, though she'd be I, little, she'd be yeah, fierce. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and I think that I think that has some of the best the best turnout, and I, it, it, it is the magic in. Uh, is seeing actors go through their process and be able to, with a shawl, just take on this embodiment of a new person. And I think, I think that's the way the bard would have wanted it. Yeah. So the big thing I wanted, you were talking about, about the, what you had started uh, on the internets today. And I think that feeds really nicely into our question. So my question for you today is, how virtual performance has opened up possibilities for actors you might not work with in a regular setting. And I'm gonna expand that a little bit and just uh, not not just to actors, but how this new performance art virtually has inspired um, a different level of performance throughout because I don't I don't mean to spoil or anything, but uh, I, I was, I've been in a couple of those reads and the actors, um, took it upon themselves throughout with costuming, lighting even at some point. <laughs> yep. So some of these some of these readings were almost full like could be fully produced within everyone's own homes. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's so So just uh, an introduction to what, what we're talking about. Yeah. Here. In in March, I went on and, and did a Facebook Live because so many people were freaking out about, you know, schools being closed, what online learning was looking like and I had got on and I wanted to get on my soapbox and be like, parents, look, here's the deal. Mm -hmm. um, and in the process of that, Jeremy Hitch was like, I miss your face. And that started a, a conversation between the two of us. And he's like, hey, let's do a Zoom read of Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead. Cool. I'm like, that sounds like fun. And I was like, well, let me see if other people are, are like interested in joining, you know? Mm -hmm. eh, maybe, I don't know. Uh, and so I posted it on my Facebook page and suddenly that post blew up. And I was like, oh, a lot of people like want to play. Cool. So we cast the show and we did a read of Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead, which Great was play. a lot of fun. Great play. Um, yeah. Oh my God. So amazing. Um, and so by this, we're at the beginning of April and I was like, oh, April, Shakespeare month. So let's see if, if we were to do a Zoom read for Shakespeare's birthday, what would people be interested in? Um, and there were so many people who put in on the list and there were so many different things and so many different titles that I was like, screw it. You know, we have a while that we're going to be in this whole situation. So why not get into the canon? So thus Zooms, the Bardentine Reading Society was born. And, uh, and the purpose behind that was, you know, to get 
actors who were bored at home and wanted to jump in and read the entire canon. Which is 80 to 90% of us. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, and what was fun is, um, you know, there were a lot of people who utilized the the Zooms because they didn't know Shakespeare very well. Um, And because there was, oh man, it was it was unassuming. It, this thing did not was not being put up on stage. Right. Uh, we recorded all of them, mm-hmm. but ultimately it was like the purpose of us doing it for our own self, sure. not because we were going to broadcast it live or do anything like that. Um, and so it was kind of amazing. We set out this crazy thirteen week schedule. It's like twelve and a half weeks actually. It was um, insane. <laughs> oh yeah, three shows a week. Um, and we had three shows a week for 12 weeks, and then we had the extra two um, to finish out week 13. And we basically went in the manner of um, how it was, like the timeline of it being written. Mondays was comedies. Uh, yeah, Monday was comedy, Wednesday was tragedy, and then Friday was the histories. And so many people were like, oh my God, the histories are never done, and why are they not done more often? Because the shows are super rich. Uh, and so we got to see more than the 10 most popular Shakespeare shows right. being read by humans. And, and I say humans, but uh, <laughs> there were animals that got involved too. It's there actually really funny. Lots of animals <laughs> on screen as well. <laughs> so many animals, children, um, you know, and it's, and it's pretty fun. There's a longtime um, Shakespeare audience member. His name is Eric. And he uh, caught on and saw our performance of King Lear, which was particularly emotionally moving. Mm-hmm. Um, there was, for some reason, that cast, I mean, and, and the casting alone was just wild, but I, I was shocked that I was even able to cast reads, you know, and, and cast this whole thing. There was numerous spreadsheets and maybe certifiably, psychologically, like <laughs> a beautiful mind with all these strings attached. Yeah, no, seriously. I, I don't even want to know what your <laughs> living room wall looked like, just the spider's web that went across. You could be looking at it right now. I have no idea. <laughs> no, no, it's all down. It's gone. I'm oh, good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, juggling everything was just wild. And so Eric came in and and he was reading. Um, he was he saw the the performance of it, and he wrote this super long. He's very long winded. I love him, but he writes a lot. Oh, and, Apollonius. Um, <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, and he really just talked about the vulnerability of what was happening with the screens, even though all of us were in separate locations. What is amazing is when we're at home, we have a certain vulnerability and and, and an ability to relax. And when we're reading a super complex text like Shakespeare because of the language and the pentameter and the wordplay, um, you know, it really became became something where the play is the thing. And it really just enriched the, the vocabulary, it enriched the stories, it really just brought so much out of that. And what I loved is it gave these spaces. There was no requirement for accents or costumes or anything like that, but us actors being us and who we are, we built that into it. Absolutely. Um, you know, there was, <laughs> there was one play where I read four characters in a single act and I had five quick changes. And <laughs> it was wild. I had it all set out in front of me off screen and yeah. I, like moved my moved my camera so people could see me change and like, you know, came back on and moved and that, you know. And it's just it's so crazy. And it was interesting to watch other people react 
to how you were performing and doing a read and many times we were brought to tears many times we were laughing so hard we were crying it, it just there was such an enriched vulnerability to the close-knit crew that ended up getting built by doing this project for any numerous amount of weeks and yeah. We had people from across the United States being involved. And that was kind of the fun thing too, where I, I have been super blessed to be involved with Rover Shakes, GCP, Rogue Festival, which means I have a lot of theater friends that are not necessarily local. Mm -hmm. And we also let anybody invite anybody to the group. Um, you know, Jeremy and I were pretty close in on the admin stuff, where we had to approve people being into the group and we had to, uh, like approve what somebody was going to post because we really wanted to create a safe space and Absolutely. keep this the safe space there because all of us are so emotionally vulnerable mm -hmm. in this time of quarantine um and so that it was really important that we maintained that element but we had a huge group from uh, anchorage alaska participate yeah. and, and that was wild that um, was wild and yeah. so so, and then somebody from Alaska had a parent in Virginia and they both would sign up at for some of the same shows and they're, they got to play together. And That's it was so like the nice. only time that they've ever been able to do theater together. Mm -hmm. I mean, and it's like, wow, this is amazing. I know, you know? it's super nice. It was cool. It was really cool. And then a lot of us just created these friendships that, that just have built because of the group. And they are people that none of us like we never would have crossed paths before absolutely no i just remember um one of the the shows i had the the, the pleasure to read with you actually was uh, was as you like it and that was super Yay! fun and i just remember after i got done with that just my facebook just like blowing up with like seven or eight people were just like <laughs> you have a friend request from this person this person this person <laughs> i was like oh yeah. wow so yeah it was these people that you wouldn't necessarily expect to uh i mean obviously be friends with in any capacity but you sit there and you give three hours of your life and you pour your heart and soul into this text and people see that and they obviously want to be your friend. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. it's really cool. And it's so much fun too. With the casting, I got to play around a lot. Mm -hmm. So we really tried to give dream roles to people. Mm -hmm. And what's beautiful is I could be color, age, and, and gender blind with everything. Mm -hmm. And so that really created a, a beautiful scene. Our Romeo and Juliet, my Romeo was actually 15. Like legit 15 year old. And then my my Juliet um, is a 50 something trans woman. Wow. And you know, and it was one of those situations where the likelihood of either one of them being put together on a show and being cast in these two title roles is hugely wildly unlikely yeah um and both of their reads were absolutely beautiful and brought things out in the text where i read romeo and juliet in excess of 150 times of course <laughs> and there was new stuff that came out of all of that super exciting. because of who was reading it exactly and the different uh the different things they had to bring to it especially in that that beautiful age gap oh my gosh oh my gosh oh, yeah it was absolutely stunning and and it was so much fun because you know when we did hamlet uh i cast our, our beautiful friend arlene um from new jersey god she bless her. played oh my god i love her she played polonius yeah you know and uh and she brought out the jewish mother of course that which i will never see polonius the same way ever again nope ever i mean that's it 
That's it. Polonius <laughs> is a Jewish mom, and that's it. There's no other way, <laughs> you know? Um, and then with Othello, Othello was really interesting. I, I took a huge risk with Othello in casting Othello. Um, I cast Othello and uh, Cassio and Iago as women. Okay. And then Amelia, Desdemona, and Bianca were men. And the shifting of the, the genders and the shifting of the characters and the shifting of, of what that brought colored it so, in such a different way. And it was, it was really, really interesting because um, I totally understood why Iago was pissed. I totally got it. Like the understanding of the jealousy made so much more sense to me as a female, like a white cis female watching a female talk about you know, Othello slept with my woman, you know? And I was like, oh my God, I get it. Oh, that makes so much sense. Like, I understand why you are, you know, the, the green-eyed monster. And mm-hmm. and so the, the impact of that made so much more sense because in our society today, if there is infidelity, the women are usually the ones getting blamed for it. Right. And so it really kind of brought out that theme that mm-hmm. came through with it, which I thought was really wild. But it was a beautiful read. Oh my gosh. It really let out the richness that was, and like just these beautiful like timbres of like pure, like this is this person wholeheartedly. Like, like, and exactly. I, I, th- I think that's such a cool thing that uh, of course, uh, sometimes a lot of indoor theater we miss and especially a lot of outdoor theater we miss because it's like, you gotta get all the way back there. So, <laughs> yeah. so you, you miss a lot of, a lot of the, a lot of the sincerity and a lot of the actual like um, the the despair of it because uh, I like to think despair isn't just anger it's so many no. different colors it's like it's uh, it's anger it's like rage but it's subdued rage and it's sadness and it's all of these things and uh, that that really comes through when you have such a uh, a very I know Zoom uh, the internet is so unpredictable but this is such a refined like like thing that and so that yeah it was super awesome yeah I mean and of course we dealt with the technology issues and people getting booted off and you know not very good mics and things like that but that also like played its own character and played its own role in in this situation and I think it's really interesting because you know we of course I wanted to it has been 20 years since I've revisited the entire canon and it was it was fun to really kind of get into the richness of it. I I personally would love to cut the entire canon down to each show being approximately ninety minutes, mm-hmm. no more than two hours, and having that be able to be something that is more attainable to classroom teachers. Absolutely, because a lot of people don't want to attack Shakespeare and don't want to teach Shakespeare, or people who are not passionate about Shakespeare are teaching it and then it gives a bad taste for a lot of other people and spoils it mm-hmm. um, you know and I mean we had we had people who have hardly ever been on stage perform we had somebody who has never been an actor perform this this guy Kendall came in and it was Julius Caesar it was the only show he wanted to do he only wanted to be Julius Caesar he only wanted to play Cicero and and he was like this is it that's it the only time I will ever do anything that has anything to do with acting, this is what I want to do. And I and I was able to give that to him. Um, and it was just, it was wild. It was wild to be able to take some of these roles, you know, and especially like the young ingenue roles. 
mm-hmm. women in Shakespeare are so small and and the roles are far and few between and the media roles are far and few between so it's really hard um for females who want to perform and then once you get over the age of 30 i'm sorry you're not going to be cast as a juliet you're not going to be cast as you know a rosalind you have to wait to play gertrude you have to wait to play lady (laughs) yeah (laughs) i mean and this is why me personally in my acting experience in the community i play a man more often than i play a woman because in Shakespeare, I can, you know, also, and so, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, if, I, if anyone, it's you, muscles. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it happens so often. I have my man in a bag, like ready to go. You know, oh, and it's like oh. my kit, and it's my kit, and it's here's how I create myself into being a man, and uh, and hair, I mean, it's hair all, tie, it's all the wrapping, hair tie. tie and the bulge. Ace bandages and the bulge. <laughs> yeah, I come with my own. <laughs> I come with my own coffee. Isn't that you know? So that I. <laughs> it, yeah, you know, it's, it's just. I always have it in my trunk, you know, just in case I need to like, you know, be do my Bruce Wayne, you know. Of course. Or a, of course. <laughs> my Clark Kent Superman. Exactly. But no, I mean it's fine, you know. I mean, and and first. So, so many people, you know, were able to just really kind of go and, and every time, every week, every Wednesday, I would post and say, okay, hey, we're doing, uh, we're doing these plays next week. What do you want to read? And when can you read? Um, and I think at one point I had 50 people in a, in a week that were reading and that's just huge. I mean, there's so many people, there's so many people involved. I, I want to say we had almost 200 readers engage in the 13 week process and and you know a lot of people i've i've seen before um a lot of people i've met before the majority of people i've been in some realm some area Absolutely. of theater with and then there was a really nice 20 percent, 30 percent that i'd never interacted with before and as somebody who was kind of the face of the zooms jeremy and i both were in every single zoom ring mm-hmm. um we both were were there the entire time and for all 38 shows. I mean, it's just being able to give a space for people who are dealing with so much. I mean, and, and I literally, I knew I had to, I had to create a project for myself during the time of quarantine or my brain probably would have fried. Absolutely. Like I, you know, with who I am and how I am, I needed to stay busy in some way, shape or form. Mm-hmm. And so this was the thing I created for me in a selfish way that ended up exponentially going to the reaches we I mean we have over 300 people in the group and uh and I'm compiling this weekend I'm compiling the list of the classical plays that they suggested that we read and we're gonna jump into some Greek and some Moliere and we're gonna get into some Marlowe and maybe some Johnson yeah all these all these other shows that are never done you know because the classical theater does not sell well Unless it's, you know, I mean, Hamlet will sell, mm-hmm. Romeo and Juliet will sell, Othello and Julius Caesar are, are hit and misses, Macbeth is a hit and miss, it really kind of depends. Those five are the heavy ones, like Midsummer Night's Dream, you know, people, a lot of people like Much Ado, which is kind of weird to me. <laughs> but that's not even, and that's not even touching these these pieces of French literature and these, like, like the Moliere's and the, the other English playwrights, like the... Like- yeah, I mean, it's, it's fun because anything that's in public domain, anything that's over 100 years old is public domain. And that to me was kind of important to stick to because I didn't want to discredit any of 
you know, the shows that we were reading because it's like ripping off the text or, you know, not paying the artist. So many people, there's this great, there's this crazy movement right now with Hamilton coming up. Everybody's like, we need all the theater that you filmed. And I'm like, you need to pay the actors that did it because they're not working right now. So if you want access to all that, great. Create pay-per-views. You need to give like, like a portion of your Disney Plus membership and spread it out to these people. Like, yeah. Or if if were, Disney gave like what, like two dollars back off of like every person in the world that has Disney Plus, you you could fund these people who are sitting yeah. idly doing nothing. These creators, the writers, the the music directors, the, the everyone tech. exactly. You the know, the crew. front of house, the tech mm-hmm. crew. Like, you know, I I loved it. I am a huge hip hop fan. I know this seems very odd, and that's the thing that's important to me. Like everybody's clamoring to be able to see these Broadway shows that they can't spend two hundred dollars on, and I get it. I totally get it. But once they announced that Hamilton was going to be released on July third, there were something like five million new su- subscribers um, to Disney Plus. And if they had taken, I mean, it's six ninety nine, right? Um, if they had taken two dollars of that six ninety nine and multiply that by five million you were looking at an exponential number that then could have been taken back to Broadway artists and the people who are a part of those unions Absolutely. and and equally distributed. And, you know, and not necessarily, and like people who are the okay people, like I'm sure Lin-Manuel Miranda is not suffering right now. He could choose to like put that back into the fund, right? Yeah, like give it to the actor's can, fund. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Thank you, Renee. I I have Thank my, you. I have my work cut out for me with this. One. Yeah, you do. <laughs> I'm, I'm really I'm really excited to try and see. So uh, thank you so much. Uh, and, yeah, thank uh, you. We'll, we'll have to do this again. Cool. Cool. Thanks, well, Renee. Thank you so much. Yay! Well, yay indeed! Wow, what a incredible talk with Renee this week you guys oh my goodness she was awesome to chat with and uh as a little treat for anyone as you notice I've talked about editing a lot during this episode and that's because Renee and I actually talked for about an hour and five minutes so um later on this week I'd love to upload uh for you guys an exclusive look at my convo with Renee which keeps all of the content you heard tonight but it adds in about an extra an extra 40 minutes or so of content that we talked about. Lots of fun topics. Um, obviously, I had to get rid of a lot of the things that weren't on the topic for today's question. But oh, such good material. Please, please, please go and listen to that. So if you are interested in hearing that, be on the lookout for sometime early next week when I'll get that out to you. Well, that will just wrap up episode two for us. Uh, Thank you all for tuning in again. Please share this podcast to your friends if you like it. And if you don't like it, share it to your enemies all the same. (laughs) Feel free to tag me personally on Instagram at dakota.wallace23 or Dakota Simpson on Facebook. And as always, stay safe, stay hydrated, wear a mask, think of others, and above all, Have an incredible week. Take care, everyone.